Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, a friend of mine and a friend of the show, Kim Carter, a nurse in Cincinnati, joins us here in this episode. And I'm going to ask that you move this particular episode around to as many people as you can. I know I don't say that very often. And I'm not doing it for clicks because I don't get paid for this. I'm just interested in more people understanding what's happening within the hospital system, in particular today and certainly in the coming days here, because the mask mandates are coming back in many of these hospitals and the tyranny is, uh, is doubling down. They're pushing flu shots on people which are under emergency use authorization now. A lot of people are unaware of that. The same thing is true regarding the RSV shots and, of course, the ever-present COVID jabs. And those are having their desired impact because, again, this is a depopulation agenda. Unfortunately, many people, of course, within the hospital system have no idea that this is the case. Kim Carter knows all too well that this is the case, and she lays out exactly what she's been experiencing in the workplace, the bullying that she's been experiencing, and a number of other uh, rather nefarious and certainly unprofessional tactics that have transpired here regarding her knowledge on this subject and bringing this knowledge to the forefront for the people who work with her and around her. And she's doing it because, well, she has an oath as a nurse, and it is her responsibility to keep people safe. And unfortunately, the people that run the establishment are not doing that, and they are not listening, and they are not heeding any kind of a warning whatsoever. So again, if you needed any more proof that there is a civil war in this country, ladies and gentlemen, this is it. And she lays it out perfectly. So give this a listen, ladies and gentlemen. Please move this around if you can. And I will catch you on Friday. What I figured we'd do is we'd start, again, just kind of very briefly talking about, you know, your patient list, your JAD patients, things that you're hearing, things that you saw with your patients. Of course, we will get into the workplace environment and your back and forth with HR and the CEO and all of that. Uh, but let's just let, let's get into the jab patient stuff first, and and what you were what you were seeing sort of on a day in and day out basis. Okay, you ready for that? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay, so um, you know, you and I have been talking about the, uh, the patients that have received the COVID vaccine, and you know, for a couple of years now, and the things that I'm seeing on my unit are more than I've seen in probably my entire 15 years as nurse. And, um, I mean, young patients, I think at one time, the oldest patient that we had on my unit, which is a long-term acute care facility, uh, was like 54. That was the oldest patient that we had. And we're seeing things that are just mind blowing to me. Like I started with the facility back in October of last year as an agency nurse, and I took care of four patients with necrotizing pancreatitis. And um, that's literally their pancreas rotting from the inside out. Now, all of them, the commonalities, were that they were alcoholics in their previous time, right? Their previous life, they were alcoholics. The other thing that they had in common was that they had received a COVID vax, whether it was Moderna or Pfizer. And the questions that I had related to that was, did the vaccine do that? Well, we don't know because it needs researched. You know, we, we need studies to be able to identify whether the vaccine is what causes all of these things, but 
nobody's willing to look at the things that we're seeing because we don't want to acknowledge it. Because, and I don't know if it's just because the fear around what happened is just too much for people to mentally process or what. But every time I mention something at work about something being a vaccinant, I get a lot of pushback. It's almost like the matrix is attacking me. And um, other things that I've seen, uh, I've had four patients on my unit in their 50s that have required an LVAD pump. Um, no which, previous cardiac history. Which All is what? Sudden, what is that pump? It, it's called an LVAD. It's basically a mechanical pump uh, that replaces one of the valves in the heart because the heart is no longer capable of functioning on its own. Like basically the heart muscle wore out to the point where it can no longer pump. So they have to implant this metal pump inside of the heart in order to restore function. That is a last resort. This is essentially, there is no other way, uh, no other place to go other than an LVAD. And, um, all of these patients still required very dangerous cardiac drips in order to keep their heart pumping. And he just admitted another patient, uh, a, a woman, she's in her 50s. Um, she went into a cardiac arrest and they resuscitated her multiple times. They had her on a levofed drip. And when she was admitted to us, now I have never seen anything like this, Sean. And when I saw this, I was absolutely devastated because I cannot, for the life of me, figure out how any medical person would be willing to administer a drug this dangerous to the point that the, 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 act, the reaction of the body is to completely die. I mean, this woman's feet from her toes to midfoot were so crispy and crunchy. There was no flesh left on her at all. Um, I mean, it was like you touch it and it was going to crumble off. Uh, same thing with all of the fingers on both hands. And I, I'm just, I was completely astonished to see that kind of thing happen to somebody from a drug that we are giving somebody to keep their heart pumping. And, um, I mean, the damage to this woman's heart was so severe that they had to do that to her. So that's just a few of it. Now, again, do we know if the vaccine caused it? No, because we still need to research this. You know, we've had patients that have just died from sudden cardiac arrest. No labs that showed any indication that they were having a heart attack. Nothing. They just, boom, cardiac arrest, gone. And every day on my unit, you're having multiple stroke codes, cardiac arrest codes, like we are having an alarm from Christ Hospital every single day, sometimes three, four, and five times a day. I've never seen this in 15 years, this many codes being called. Like it's, it's unreal. It's unreal. And you know for a fact they're all jabbed. The ones that are on my unit, absolutely. But the ones that are being coded from Christ, no, I don't know because I'm not in that hospital. Gotcha. Because we're a hospital within a hospital. Okay. Just very quickly, in the individuals that, that you've seen, of course, you can look at their records and, and you know how many shots they've taken. On average, yeah. I mean, how many shots have they taken? Are we talking about a person who took one and said, I'm done? Or are we looking at people that are upwards of three or four? Well, what's interesting is um, I've started keeping a log. Um, 
I've been going through my patients' charts when they arrive on a reunit, and I look back at our care everywhere to where I can see their full medical history from any facility that they've been in, any doctor's appointment, any labs that they've had done. Like, I can see all of that. And so when I started documenting this, it is almost to the T one month after injection, after the first injection is when they start having significant health problems that require them to be in and out of the doctor's office. Multiple hospital visits, um, multiple uh, surgical procedures in order to repair something, and then it gets to the point where ultimately they end up in respiratory failure. Um, Almost all of our patients are coming in on vents due to respiratory failure. Um, We've had four in the last two weeks. We've had to do ultrasounds of both bilateral extremities. to rule out blood clots. One we found had blood clots from her groin to her ankle on her right leg and from her groin to her knee on her left leg. Uh, Symptoms of stroke, sent her down for a head CT and had an IVC filter placed. Um, She also is in respiratory failure. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's really bad. Are you having conversations with your coworkers or are they personally coming up to you and saying, hey, look, I'm starting to notice patterns with all of this too? No, uh, nobody is saying anything except for me. I'm the, I'm the vocal one on the unit. And when I say something, of course, they agree with me, but they're not the ones that are verbalizing it. And um, I want to say probably since uh, they hired me as their shift supervisor um, back in May, I have been providing my CEO, my HR, my CNO, um, any new um, articles that have been coming out that are in peer reviewed, that are peer reviewed and respected medical journals and that kind of thing. Because, you know, they're, the people that have been a part of this, they're not willing to see or read or look at any research that they don't feel is adequate. You know what I mean? Like they're not willing to read what's right in front of them. And both of my nurse practitioners that I have talked to related to this have pretty much told me to stop talking to them about it because they got it and their entire family got it and they just don't want to know. They're unwilling to acknowledge any of it. But I have been providing them information since May because they need to be aware and I'm not sending it to them because I'm trying to make them fearful. I'm sending it to them because we need to be on the lookout of things that's going on with our patients because that's our responsibility. Our patients are our responsibility. And if we can't acknowledge what may be going on with them, then we can't possibly have any hope to help make them better. I mean, really, we don't have a whole lot of information on how to make them better if we can at all. We can only manage the damage right now. But they're not even managing that damage because they're not willing to acknowledge what caused it in the first place. And that's the frustration that I'm having right now is if they won't acknowledge it, how can they fix it? Because you can't fix a problem with the same consciousness that started it. Let me ask you this, too. I agree with you 100%. We've been tracking this, of course, since the very start. Uh, You know, the two of us have been communicating about this since the very start. Let's say, for example, I mean, let's play a complete hypothetical here. Let's say, for example, it doesn't even have to be COVID shot related, but let's imagine that there was anything that was bringing harm to the patients and more than just you recognized it. What, uh-huh. e- what exactly would the process be in a hospital to get that thing? 
to stop being used? Well, see, that's the thing is that all nurses and all doctors, we have to take an oath. For doctors, it's the Hippocratic Oath. For nurses, it's the Nightingale Pledge, where essentially we are tied to the legal ethical um, legal guidelines of medical practice, right? So for nurses, there's four different ones. And the number fourth one is um, non-maleficence. And that basically states that it is by law our job to basically keep or prevent any medical procedure, task, uh, or medication, any anything that would cause harm to stop. Like, that's our job. We are supposed to prevent harm from coming to the patient, period. And I'm doing those things, and I tried to do that yesterday when I realized what was what was potentially about to happen, and I was told that I had to be silent that I was not allowed to provide that information and that people needed to do their own research because what I was finding was my own viewpoint and that there are other articles that say the direct opposite of what I'm finding. And because there are other articles that say the direct opposite of what I'm finding, everything that I'm finding is invalid. So it's, so just, I don't, it's just their way or the highway. Right. And, and it was essentially, I was being threatened that they needed a leader on their floor to be able to manage the unit. And if I couldn't do that, pause. So really, my superiors are the ones that are, I'm supposed to go to and report a, a treatment or medication that would be causing harm in order to make it stop. However, when the leaders are not willing to listen, I'm not sure where to go. Um. I'm about to go to the Board of Nursing, and I'm going to report that to them and find out exactly what my next steps should be. Um, but I, I have no idea if even that is going to be effective because it seems like every single industry and every single line of authority that we would have to report anything has been compromised, and they're not willing to listen. And I don't know what to do. I, I would definitely make that move. Yeah. I would go to the Board of Nursing without a doubt. Again, if you can file formal complaints against individuals for not listening to you, whether it be, again, the people that are in your immediate area or even the people above them, because you know that, and again, just to just so the audience fully understands, is that Kim and I have been talking to each other about what's been going on where she works, and the group that runs... Your your hospital, what is it, inside of Christ Hospital Select Medical? Correct. Okay. So they're based out of Pennsylvania. And I got on their website and was bouncing around basically on who you email. And wouldn't you know it, you can't email any of their board members at all. I mean, they, they don't have emails available whatsoever. There's only a hotline email for basically you want to make a complaint or you want to make a request or something along those lines. And unfortunately, that was back at the beginning of the month. That was uh, October 2nd when I send that out, and I haven't received a single reply. Yeah, so, and they, have, they haven't indicated that they've received anything that would um, be of issue. And the only thing that keeps getting reiterated is that come November 1st, their mask policy is in place. You either get vaccinated or you put a mask on your face because that's our policy. Yeah, and in that email, I, I, again, I emailed the CEO of, of your establishment and the same thing with the HR director. And again, all the proof was right there. Everything was right yeah. there as to as to what they needed to look at. And 
Yeah. And yet they're refusing to acknowledge any of it. Why? Because it's their policy. But see, even you are the one that pointed out to me that directly on their corporate website, they have their own company policy and their mission, which is to do right no matter what, because it's the right thing to do. And then they have their basic human rights policy and their mask policy violates their basic human rights policy. Yes. I mean, that's just astounding to me that they have people at their corporate level willing to violate their own policies in order to push something that is scientifically proven to be unsafe and inaccurate. I mean, I mean, I even forwarded to HR and to my CEO the American Associations of Physicians article related to the mask not being effective at all, that it doesn't prevent the spread. I even I even sent them the Cochrane study that cited 176 different sources showing that there is no difference in whether a mask is used or not. And then I even sent over the largest research study ever conducted from China that showed that asymptomatic spread is not a thing. And it had 10 million participants in that study and not one single case of COVID had been detected when people were forced to quarantine together with a positive patient. We have been lied to about All of everything related to viral load, related to disease spread, related to all of it. You can't, from what I'm understanding, based on the research that I'm finding, coughing and sneezing, droplet precautions, that's not how virus or bacteria spreads. Because our human body is completely loaded with virus, bacteria, staph, MRSA, all of the things that they're testing for, that they're billing Medicaid and Medicare for in order to get reimbursement for. Like, all of it's a freaking scam. It's a scam, all of it, because it's all based on money. Yep. Sure, the internal infections that they test for, like, um, you know, fungus and yeast and that kind of stuff, yeah, it can create havoc inside of the body. But you know what? Naturopathic doctors have been saying that for a long time. When you have a buildup of yeast and mold inside of your body, it creates inflammation, and inflammation creates mucus, and mucus clogs up everything. And, of course, as you know, they're giving them a false test yeah. to test for something that doesn't exist. And the test has already been recalled by the FDA because it's been proven to not even work. Mm-hmm. Because, again, you, know, you <laughs> yeah. I called yeah. that out um, when I was agency going to this the, the nursing home facilities to help out there. Um, they were still testing all of the patients. They were still testing all the staff. And I'm like, these tests have been recalled from the FDA. Why are you still using them? They are faulty. They are not accurate. They do not, they do not detect the presence or disease of, or the absence of disease. Why are we using these? And again, I was told, this our policy. You know, like they love using it's our policy as a way to force you to do something. Well, just because I'm your employee does not mean that, you, that I have surrendered my basic human rights. 
I have not surrendered those. You are only entering into a contract with me, and I am making you a trustee of the corporation of my name. I'm still the beneficiary of that of that account. You can't force me, the live human being, to do what you want simply because you pay me for my goods and services. And that right there again is where they're where they're violating their own codes of conduct and their human rights yeah. policy because ultimately they don't know that their policy is a lie. Right. So ultimately their policy is for you to lie. Right. And and you know the thing is is that the people believe that so much that when you question them and their authority, God, it pisses them off. And that's when you get terminated. You know, because they don't want you questioning them. They want you to toe the line and be a good little boy and girl like you were trained to be while you spent your entire freaking life in school. Heaven forbid you have your own brain and think appropriately. Just like the education business, same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's get in again to, you You mentioned it earlier, of course, but they told you to go home the other day. <laughs> yeah, yesterday. So on Sunday. So let's let's kind of backtrack a little bit. So like I said, we've we've been talking about this whole COVID thing for a couple of years now. So we both know that back in July of last year, um, I, I think it was in July or maybe that was when the report came out. But Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, he called for a full inquiry related to the COVID jabs. He wanted to find out exactly what was inside of them. So he put his attorney general to that task. And then in July of last year, the attorney general, um, Joseph Lapido, uh, came out and declared that the COVID vaccine was a biological weapon. And he encouraged all Floridians to not get another COVID vaccine. And he is calling for the FDA to have them pulled from the market. Now, I don't recall reading any of the studies that he put out related to what he found. Uh, So it just became that thing that was in the back of my mind, that knowledge that I needed to have tucked away. Right. Well, then um, just in September, he issued another statement warning anyone under than the younger than the age of 65 not to get this COVID vaccine, citing significant uh, danger of, you know, cardiotoxic effects, which is all the research that's been coming out. So we know all of this. Okay. Now you and I know this and other people that have been in the same bandwagon that we've been known this, but other individuals that don't know this, that went along with this COVID vaccine because they trust the authoritative figures that are telling them that this is what they need to keep them safe. They don't know this stuff. And because it's being suppressed on mainstream media, which is where these type of people get their information from, they don't know. And so to them, this is considered brand new information. And so at the end of August, um, Our quality control manager mentioned that we would be starting our flu vaccination program at the end of October, towards the middle end of October, and that we were allowed to either sign the flu declination or acceptance. But, you know, if we were going to decline, the the policy on the unit would be you have to wear a mask. Well, if I decide that I'm going to have a medical procedure done, that's that's private information between me and my physician, not me and my employer, not me and my coworkers, not me and my peers. That's private information. Whether I get that or not is none of your business. That's my thought process. But 
I said, I will need one of those forms because I fully intend to decline. And one of the brand new uh, nurses aides on the unit, she said, do I, do we have to get that? And I looked over at her and I said, you don't have to do anything. And, and again, remind me, I'm, I'm a supervisor on the unit. So I am, I am their boss, right? You don't have to do anything. And uh, the quality control manager, she was just like, no, we are, we're not enforcing it. You don't have to do it. We just need you to sign the form that you're declining. And it has to be either a medical or religious reason. And she was just like, okay, I'll take one of those. And then one of the other nurses took one of those. Now, what I do find to be interesting is that the, um, the employees that are black on my unit, they are 100% fully aware of everything going on. And they are 100% fully against any vaccination. They refuse to put anything in their body that they don't agree with. And I find that hysterical because, you know, they've been the population that has been experimented on by our government multiple times, and they all are 100% fully aware of that. So they're like, no, I don't trust that shit. (laughs) So it's funny. But anyway, that particular day, um, right after this whole thing, she brought it. Somebody had asked about the COVID vaccine, and I immediately took that information and I said, uh... The COVID vaccine has been declared a biological weapon. And if we are administering it, we need to stop it right now. And I had all of the staff at the nurse's desk at that moment. And so when I said that, jaws dropped, eyes popped open wide. And it was silent to the point where you could hear a pin drop. And I looked around at everybody. I said, were you guys not aware of that? And they were like, uh, no. I said, yeah, that came out last year. Y'all should really look that up. And that was the end of it. Well, then in September, at the very beginning of September, I was called into the office from my CNO. And she pulled me back into the office with the CEO and our HR. Because apparently there were some employees that were offended by the fact that I said that the COVID vaccine was a biological weapon. And I was told that it was a, uh, my opinion and that I needed to not say that again because I needed to not be scaring people. And so I informed him that it was not my opinion. It was a fact and that uh, the attorney general of Florida is the one that had declared that. And it's my job, my duty and my obligation to make sure that the people that are not informed of such information are informed so that they may make an informed decision. And they told me that that was not my place. They told me that I was to remain silent, that I was not to bring up any information unless solicited, and that if I continued to do so, that they would be another, they would be having another conversation with me. And then they discussed the masking policy. Um, HR spoke up at that point and told me that um, they were not going to enforce the COVID or the flu vaccine, but that their policy was that if you do not wear a mask or if you don't get a vaccine, you have to wear a mask. And I looked at her and said, yeah, I won't be uh, complying with that policy. And she was like, what do you mean? And I said, not only is it my religious belief, but there is no scientific backing to support that type of a policy in the first place. So no, I won't be complying with that. And the CEO looked over and he was just like all puffed up and angry. And he was just like, well, that is our policy. And if you refuse to comply with that, then we will be having another conversation come November 1st. And I said, well, you can talk all you want to, but I know my right and I know the law and I know that you can't fire me for this. But if you want to go that route, you can. 
And then he changed the subject and started talking about our mobility program and wanted to know why the percentages for other supervisors on the unit had our mobility at it in a 90, 90th percent. But yet every time I worked, it was always down in the 70 percent. And he wanted to know why that was. And at the time, we literally only had 18 patients on our unit. We can take 30, but at that time we had 18 because census was low. And we had a consistent between four and six patients on the unit that were constantly refusing mobility. Well, if you do the math, guess what? That's going to put things in the 70th percentile. And I said, well, you know what? We've got patients that are constantly refusing. And um, if you want them mobilized, I only have one of two options. It can be I either refuse or I ignore their right to refuse or I falsify documentation. Which one would you like me to do? Well, because HR was sitting there, he immediately lost his puffed up status and kind of deflated his anger left. And then he was just like, yeah, you're right. That is an issue. So, you know, we just got to make sure that we're staying on task so that we stay above the 80 percent. And I'm like, well, I'll do what I can. But again, it's either I, re I refuse to acknowledge their right to refuse or I falsify documentation. So either one of those options are on my list of things to do. So I'm not sure which one. Well, of course, that upset him, but that was the end of that meeting. Well, then they called me back in two weeks later to tell me that the religious exemption that I had submitted for the mask was denied. And I just kind of chuckled at him and I said, well, that's curious because I didn't submit it to you because I was seeking your approval. It is what it is. These are my religious beliefs. And when you hired me and I submitted my COVID back, my COVID exemption, you accepted that. So you set a precedence that you acknowledge my religious beliefs. You have to follow this. You can't deny it. And you can't deny my right to refuse to put a medical device on my face because the mask is a medical device. It is not considered PPE. It's not on the list of a, an industrial hygienist recommendation for PPE. So you can't force me to put a medical device on my body. You're not my physician. And if you try to, you are operating without a license. And that's against the law in a felony offense. And he got angry again. And he started to threaten again my job. And I said, well, you know what? Um, I've spent 20 years of my life trying to escape an abusive relationship from people trying to force me to do what they want me to do. And never again will I sacrifice a piece of myself or my beliefs to please anyone. So I guess we'll be having that conversation come November 1st. So I got up and I walked out of the office. And at that point, I started, you know, I asked you to send me everything that you had research-wise related to masking. And that was when I started printing off everything that I could find related to mask research. And I have an entire scheme, the, the paper box boxes in my car, that's almost completely full of that research. So that that way, one day when it's needed, I can take that into work and I can sit it down and I can provide them with all the research that they're refusing to acknowledge. And they, um, and they and they have a great deal of it because I emailed it to them. Correct. Yeah, and all I those peer-reviewed articles on the masks and the jabs, they've got it all. Yes, correct. And I also provided it with my my religious exemption as well. So, you know, they have been fully informed of all of the legal ramifications related to the forced mask use, forced injections, and all of those things. But let's go back to 
forcing me to reveal my medical status to my my peers and my coworkers. Um, forcing me to put a mask on my face because I'm not vaccinated is a HIPAA violation. That is revealing my medical status and my medical information to everybody else, and it is none of their business. You were talking about, of course, the the patient mobility. Yeah. Define that for anybody listening who might not know what that is. And then on top of that, uh, my, my question too is, is are the patients who are in their beds or even the ones that you get out of bed and move around, almost as you say, regardless of their condition, because you have yes. to meet some quota, are they wearing a mask? Well, that's the thing. So, no, there are no masking requirements for the patient. So that part is, let's, let's put that off of the table for right now. So the patients that come into our unit, we have, you know, we've got the collaborative team. You've got your PT, your OT, your nurses, doctors, nurse practitioners. You know, we all work together. And based on the physical therapy research, they have found that when you get a patient mobile and get them up, it helps if they're in a seated position to be able to breathe deeper, to be able to open the base of the lungs so that it helps with vent weaning and all of those things. And I have seen miraculous changes in our patients regarding mobility. So don't get me wrong, but being, being mobilized is a good thing. Okay. Um, but according to, I guess their, what's the word, Sean? It's according to their, um, their, their, not their policy, but their quota. Yeah, that was the word. According to their quota, in order for us, and I'm not sure exactly what this whole thing entails, but I'll, I'll kind of give you the, the dots that connected. Um, my CEO calls us in every week to do what they call a quapi mobility meeting. And he pulls up some kind of a graph. And before he became the CEO, our particular facility was always under 80%. We were never above 80%. And they have it color-coded, so whenever we are above 80%, they call us in the green, okay? And so their goal is to get every patient up twice a day. Regardless of their of their medical status, that's their goal. Now, if nursing goes to PT and OT and says, hey, this patient is hemodynamically unstable, we cannot get them up today, or hey, they went down for a procedure, we can't get them up today, or hey, they're currently on dialysis, they obviously can't get up today. Like, those are times when the patient is left in bed and they're a hold, right? That's how we list it as a hold. But in our documentation, we have what's called a mobility assignment, and they are they are listed on different levels. So a level one is somebody that's on bed rest. A level two is somebody that is capable of getting up to a chair. Level three is somebody that can be ambulatory or walk around their room. And number four means that they don't need assistance, that they are walkie-talkies capable of doing safely, right? Well, we don't ever typically have level four patients. We are usually one, two, or three. So when a patient is put on hold, we have to go in and change that status to a level one. Okay. Now I kept getting harassed about after I was called in at the beginning of September and it was revealed that my numbers during my shifts were below 80% and in the yellow, then they started harassing me about these numbers. And I'm, I'm like, 
they kept saying this was my responsibility, but then turning around and telling the entire unit that it's everybody's responsibility. Well, then they, they changed it last month and made it a nurse-driven thing. So when we have our mobility huddle at 1.30 in the afternoon, the nurses have to identify which patients are theirs and report on whether they have been up the required one or two times so far during the shift so that that way we know who still has to get mobilized. And so if it's a nurse driven thing, why are you harassing me? It's their responsibility. You've told them it's their responsibility, which means it's their responsibility to do and it's their responsibility to document. I can sit here and remind them all day long until I'm blue in the face. Hey, make sure you mobilize your patient. Hey, make sure you document your I's and O's because they can't even be bothered to do that, Sean. They are so freaking lazy. They can't even be bothered to document their I's and O's. Now, is it because they're busy and they forget? I really don't know. I don't know what their rationale is behind not wanting to document the things that happen with their patients, but I remind them every single morning. So if in the evening when I leave, if uh, on my report sheet, it shows if the patient has been mobilized or not, and it's a symbol of like, it's like a little walking man. So it's a red flag and then it turns to a yellow walking man and then it turns to a green walking man if they've been mobilized twice a day. The red flag is they haven't been mobilized at all. So if at the end of my shift I look and there's still two or three patients that haven't gotten up yet because they plan to get the patient up at three, four, five o'clock in the afternoon so that that way night shift can put them back to bed. If I walk out the door at 7, 7.30 and it's still yellow, well, you know what? That's not my problem. I've told them to do what they're responsible to do. Start holding them accountable. I can't hold them accountable. Why? Because you haven't given me the authority to hold them accountable. And all you do is pull people in and talk to them. So until you start actually holding them accountable for doing their job, that's not my responsibility. Well, because they kept harassing me about this over and over, that started making the alarm bells and the flags start flying around my head. Why is this such a thing? There's rumors going around that it's due to a bonus that, you know, certain people on the unit get, but I have no idea if that's accurate or not. I'm not going to, you know, ascribe that the rumors are the ones that are accurate, but my brain started to chew on it. Like, why is this so important? And then I'm thinking, you know, the whole, the whole payment system related to physical therapy and, and occupational therapy changed through Medicare and Medicaid several years ago when I was working over in Centerville. And I remember that being a big to do. And then I'm thinking, huh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, that's considered mobility. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's tied into payments from Medicare and Medicaid. That's the problem. So because it changed, because they're having to do what they have to do in order for payment, they have to reach these certain goals in order to be paid the amount that they need to be paid. So this isn't, a, this isn't anything to do with, is it really what's best for the patient? No, it's really what's best for their pocket. So it's, so it's always about financial compensation over patient care. So when they're telling me that we have to mobilize every patient on the unit, I'm looking around at my patients and I'm looking at my patients that have had an anoxic brain injury. They are completely brain dead, but yet we're keeping them alive. And they're telling me that they've got proof and evidence that moving a catatonic patient is going to improve their outcome. Yeah. Like I want to see that research. 
Show me their picture. Yeah. Yeah. They're not interested in that. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. You know, and I'm just sitting here like, what is what is going on? I can't like everything that I knew before as a nurse is almost completely backwards now because yeah. it's not, it doesn't make any sense. There is literally no logical rationale for why we do the things that we do. Like why would we knowingly give a drug that's going to turn somebody's feet, their toes and their fingers into crispy potato chips? Why would we do that? Why would we purposefully cause gangrenous activity to take hold in a patient's body? Because they want to live, because they're a full coat. How is that quality of life? How is that in the best interest of the patient? How is that not preventing harm? Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand it. I, I cannot get my brain to comprehend. So if somebody out there knows the answer to that, please reach out and let me know. It's the devil. The devil's got these people right by the back of the neck. And he's coerced him because of money, because of a mortgage payment, whatever it is. And like you said, policy. Well, that's our policy. And if you don't like the policy and you don't follow it, well, then you're insubordinate. Yep. Yeah, I fully expect some write-ups to be coming my way this week. <laughs> let me ask you, too, about, because um, we've talked about this privately, but let me ask you about the percentage of your jabbed coworkers and then including other staff members who work there. Take a ballpark guess as to how many of your coworkers are uh, are at least one or two jabbed. I would say about ninety percent. Okay, and this includes even like the staff workers, like uh, the the non nursing community. Okay, so you want staff and patients? Sure. Yeah, yeah I would no, say no no patients, just uh, just, just staff. Yep. Yeah, I would say about 90% of the staff is vaccinated. Like I said, our, my black co-workers, they are not, none of them. Um, and I would say we probably, let's see, we have one, two, three, four. We probably have, we probably have 15 or 20 black co-workers um, on our unit. And then um, the rest of them, the uh, our white staff co-workers, they are all 100% fully vaccinated. Um, and I would say that we have probably, I think, so the CEO said that we had approximately 180 employees, but I have, I've never recall, recalled seeing that many that many staff before on any of our staff meetings. So I don't know that that's necessarily accurate or if he's referring to different locations. I really don't know. Um, but yeah, based on the, the staff that I know, I would say they're about 90%. Okay. The 10% black population. How about the higher-ups, the non-nursing staff? They're all vaccinated. CEO, HR, the whole thing. Yep. All of them vaccinated. Nurse practitioners vaccinated. And didn't you say that, that some of them were out sick the other day? Yeah. The uh, CEO got his flu vaccine, vaccine on Monday and had to leave early because he got sick. <laughs> what is wrong with these people? What is wrong with them? They can't connect that basic dot. The dots are on top of each other. I know. You were fine. You took this, and now you're sick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? It's like basic common sense, but I have learned, man, common sense is not freaking common. No, it isn't. And I'll tell you something. That right there is exactly what you should tell him, the him or her, the next time that you see them 
when they yank you back into their offices, you should say, didn't you feel fine on day one, and then you just took a flu shot, and then you had to leave because you got sick? Have you thought that maybe it was the thing that you injected yourself with that made you ill? He would have some other excuse. Well, that's just the normal reaction, Kim. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that's letting you know that the flu vaccine works. See, I've I've used this I've used this example in the last few episodes. Then all you should do is just throw a rattlesnake at him, and be like, "Well, if you get bit and you feel ill, it's just it's just a normal reaction. <laughs> Everything's normal." That means the venom's working. <laughs> That's right. That's right. My immune system's getting stronger. Unbelievable. I'll tell you what, let me read this for, for you and the audience, because you're, you're not going to disagree with this. And I think I may have sent this to you also. And for everybody out there, this is, uh, again, this is Karen Kingston's document labeling all of this and, uh, and referencing all of these statements. That, again, she encourages you to not just send to sheriff's departments, of course, and we're going to get into that here in a minute. But um, she recommends sending this to basically anybody. You can send it to hospital staff, higher-ups, whoever you want. But on one of the pages, I want to say about halfway down this document, it says the following. It says, whereas the engineered nanoparticles in the COVID-19 injections are nanotechnologies designed to force human cells to produce disease-causing pathogens known as spike proteins, spike proteins that are established lab-made pathogens that cause disease, disabilities, and death per dozens of scientific and clinical publications, abstracts, and patents, as well as Pfizer's internal documents and website, and whereas the engineered nanoparticle technologies, aka vaccine nanotechnology, in the COVID-19 mRNA injections are patented for use as a nanocarrier of an agent of biowarfare, quote-unquote, per U.S. patent number 9539210, vaccine nanotechnology. And she has the reference there, because as we know, you cannot patent something that is naturally occurring. It's illegal. Yep. So they're, they're, yeah, right. They're basically oh, making huh. furniture and then patenting the furniture that they've made, which has never been made before, which is why they can patent it. Correct. Now, hold on, Sean. I don't know if you've heard of this before. I'm about to look this up. But in 2012, there was a U.S. Supreme Court case. I have, and I've read it on the show. Yeah. Where the injected are basically genetically modified organisms. Yeah. Due to due to a uh, something like an mRNA vaccine that would genetically modify the DNA, which would then allow it to become patented because it was no longer a naturally occurring substance. So yeah. okay, so let's let's pull on that thread for a minute. Hang on, there's just one more paragraph here, real quick. It's oh, a, okay, it's a, it says, whereas COVID-19 injections containing engineered mRNA nanotechnologies meet the legal definition of biological weapons, according to 18 U.S.C. 175 Chapter 10, biological weapons, which is a biological agent, toxin, and or delivery device for use other than prophylactic, preventative, 
or protective, bona fide research or other peaceful purpose. And all I did also was get on the Ohio State codes. Now, codes aren't laws necessarily, but they are there. And it, right. and, it, and you, all you have to do in the search box on the Ohio State uh, code website is type in biological weapons. And the same thing pops up. But again, you tell, you tell these sheriff's departments or these city councils like I have, or, uh, and of course I did it yesterday with this email, the uh, Hamilton County, which is Cincinnati, um, county commissioner's office, you know, that, that you're looking at an active biological weapon within your county. Right. And it's being used as a medicine, and it is not. Right. Well, you know, I'm kind of feeling like my next step is to find a military base right up here in Dayton and walk in there and ask for the freaking acting general. Yeah, then they'll, sh- then they'll shoot you. Would- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, they've been, they, they've, been, they've been just as guilty as anybody else. They've been giving it to all of their recruits and everybody else who works there, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they, I mean ugh, this is just ridiculous. I mean, I don't... This is the part where the mass noncompliance comes in because this is, I think this is the start. These, we are, we are now at a point where alarm bells are ringing inside of my head and because they're ringing like very, very loudly and they're preventing me from sleeping. That's when I know is this is significant. So are, did you have any other questions? Are you ready for me to move on? Do me a favor if you can. I mean, I know you've got lots of notes and, and you can you've got all the time in the world here. Talk about of course you leaving work the other day and then going right into the sheriff's department in Hamilton County. Okay. So what started that was on Sunday night, um, I was in I was in bed, I was getting ready to fall asleep, and this is probably the worst habit in the world, but I scroll through Twitter or X and then I also take a few minutes and I scroll through TikTok just to kind of settle my brain down. And I came across the article that the FDA dropped on the 29th, um, getting COVID vaccine alongside flu shot may raise risk of stroke. So when I've seen that, I'm like, of course it'll cause a freaking stroke, you know, like, of course, of course, here's another thing. But then I'm like laying there, I turn my phone off and I'm laying there and my brain is starting to chew on that. And I'm going, oh my God, oh my God. And the the concern and turned into worry and the worry turned into anxiety and the anxiety turned into panic and panic turned into, I've got to notify the masses because so the Florida Attorney General COVID biological weapon, first warning flag, right? That's that safety signal that has been released from a government official where we can all take a collective sigh of relief that finally the truth of this shit is coming out, right? That's the thing. But then after when the second alert came out from the Florida Attorney General, I was just like, okay, you know, people really, I, I really hope people are paying attention. Okay. Well, then October 12th, the Health Canada came out with the article. And let me read you this article headline. The article headline is literally, um, and this was a preliminary study. So this was done only on rats before they released it. And so in the medical community, whenever a, um, 
whenever a, a research study is released that quickly without it even finishing any clinical trials, it's because it's a safety signal. And they want to alert as many people as possible as to what the animal study was showing based on that particular research. But the title of this article was specifically, and this came out, the Health Canada one was a different one, but this one came out and it's titled Cardiac Side Effects of RNA-Based SARS-CoV-2 Vaccine. Hidden Cardiotoxic Effects of mRNA-1273 and BNT162B2 on Ventricular Myocyte Function and Structure. Okay, now the abstract. So this is the very first line of this article. To protect against SARS-CoV-2 infection, the first mRNA-based vaccine, SpikeVac, Moderna, and Comirnaty Pfizer-BioNTech were approved in 2020. The structure and assembly of the immunogen in both cases, the SARS-CoV-2 spike glycoprotein, are determined by a messenger RNA sequence that is translated by endogenous ribosomes. Cardiac side effects, which for the most part can be classified by their clinical symptoms as myo and or pericarditis, can be caused by both mRNA-1273 and BNT162b2. As persuasive theories for the underlying pathomechanisms have yet to be developed, this study investigated the effect of mRNA-1273 and BNT162b2 on the function, structure, and viability of isolated adult rat cardiomyocytes over a 72-hour period. In the first 24 hours after application, both mRNA-1273 and BNT162b2 caused neither functional disturbances nor morphological abnormalities. After 48 hours, expression of the encoded spike protein was detected in ventricular cardiomyocytes for both mRNAs. At this point in time, the mRNA-1273 induced arrhythmic as well as completely irregular contractions associated with irregular as well as localized calcium transients, which provide indications of significant dysfunction of the cardiac ryanodyne receptor. In contrast, BN2162B2 Increased cardiomyocyte contraction via significantly increased protein kinase A activity at the cellular level. So, I mean, this is this is how short this article is. Here we demonstrated for the first time that in isolated cardiomyocytes, both induce specific dysfunctions that correlate pathophysiologically to cardiomyopathy. Both RYR2 impairment and a sustained PKA, PKA activation may significantly increase the risk of acute cardiac events. Okay, so that's how short the study was, but it showed significant cardiac damage after just 48 hours of injection. Okay, that's huge. So if it fails animal trials and shows that kind of a significant impact, it cannot ethically or legally or morally move on to human subjects because it is significant damage. Okay, so I'm reading this. And again, this study came out October 12th, and I immediately sent that to both Dean, Lauren, Jen. Our, our two uh, nurse practitioners, because this explains the cardiac damage we're seeing on our unit. This is why I'm sending this to them. We have to be able to identify what's causing the cardiac dysfunction before we can treat it appropriately. Okay, so I sent this to them. This is why I'm concerned. I cannot remain silent. Doing so is unethical and it is not helping anyone. All right, so that was that article. Well, the one that came out in April from Health Canada was related to the SB40 DNA sequence that they found in the COVID, right, from Pfizer. 
Now, what's interesting about this is that when Pfizer submitted all of their documents to the FDA for emergency use authorization, they left that part out of it. They did not provide that information to the FDA. So they falsified and committed fraud against the entire world in order to get this emergency use authorization. And according to everything that I'm finding, that makes the vaccination considered adulterated and is no longer considered safe because this is known to cause cancer. So this is the turbo cancers that Dr. Ryan Cole has been pushing you know, the last two years. The, it, it explains why people that have been in remission from cancer all of a sudden have cancer all over their body. It explains why I'm getting patients that have cancer from head to toe that previously had none. It explains why I've got patients that cannot ever be decannulated because they have a massive tumor in their esophagus so that that way they can't even eat ever again. Like this is, this is the marker. And then not only does it promote cancer tumors, tumors to grow, it also is changing the DNA structure. So they already know this about the SV40, which is why it's always very dangerous to use this in a vaccine. And so it's not done. So those two things, the, the, the one from, you know, the British Pharmacological Institute and the Health Canada article, those are two major, major safety flags that are being reported in peer-reviewed medical journals that are highly distinguished, okay? So I figured if anybody would pay attention to what's coming out, it would be coming from those type of sources. Well, then when the FDA on the 29th released that article about increased risk of stroke to flu vaccination, along with these other two safety signals, it, it made me realize that the COVID vaccine we already know was a was clinical trial. It was a live ongoing clinical trial. So everything that's happening to everybody, even though it's being suppressed, is being documented by these pharmacology or by these pharmaceutical companies because this is going to be what's inserted into the next pamphlet or the package insert in the next freaking vaccine once they decide that it's safe for them to actually put it on the market or decide to remove it from the market. You know, that's how they run these studies. Okay. So that's what they determine is what they need to list in the drug books that they provide to nursing and medical students. Like, oh, this is your drug book. This is what you've got to learn in pharmacology. You need to, you need to make sure that you, you know, pay attention to side effects and then pay attention to adverse effects. So we know that these medications cause this kind of damage, but this is what you have to know so you can educate your patient so that that way your patient can make informed consent. That's why we study pharmacology. That's why we study about what's going on with the vaccines that we're putting in our body. That's why we have to give our patients all of the information that we find so they can give us informed consent. Why do we have to have informed consent? Because at the end of World War II, when it was discovered, all of the medical experiment atrocities that were committed against everybody back then, it was decided internationally that it was never going to happen again. That's where the whole world of medical ethics comes from. All of it stems from the end of World War II because of the medical atrocities committed. So the only way that you can do a legal experiment on humanity is if they have full informed consent. Well, when the government is telling you that, oh, it's safe and effective, and you might have these minor symptoms from the injection, but it shouldn't be anything to be concerned about, please do it because it's not only for your safety, it's to keep grandma safe too. 
That is not full informed consent. Not listing the ingredients is not full informed consent. Because if you don't have, if you don't know what you're putting in your body, then you can't possibly investigate and research what those ingredients are. If the um, uh, what is it? The Chem Pub. If you can type in any type of chemical on Chem Pub, it tells you exactly how toxic it is to the to the human body. EPA. That one. We don't know because if you don't have the information, you can't research and do your due diligence to figure shit out. You don't know if they don't give it to you. So you can't give full informed consent, which means the entire vaccination program is a lie. It's a lie. And people are doing things because they trust the government and they trust the authority figures. They trust nurses. They trust doctors to do what's in the best interest of their health. And medical ethics says that that is your job. That is your requirement to make sure that you are fully educated so that you can inform your patient, not the other way around. It is not the patient's job because they trust you to make sure that you are doing your job to make sure that you inform them and educate them. We are educators. We are advocates. That's what we do. So I went to work on yesterday and because I didn't sleep all night, I was late to work, which was not good, but I was in such an emotional state because I was terrified for my staff and my patients that I was crying and I was shaking in fear because of what I'm about to witness. Now, is it possible that my brain turned this into something bigger than what it is? I don't know, Sean. I don't know. But I do know that anybody that took that COVID vaccine, it was an experiment, which means that you now have experimental gene therapy stuff inside of your body, which means that any vaccine that you get after you receive a COVID vaccine, we have no idea what it's going to do to your body, just like we have no idea what the COVID vaccine was going to do to your heart. We don't know. And that's the concern that I'm having. That's the red flag that I'm waving. Because if my staff that have been fully vaccinated, that have taken the flu vaccine already, what's going to happen to them? We don't know. Why? Because the flu vaccine that's released this year is also under emergency use authorization. And it specifically says in that package insert that they don't know and they have no data for concomitant use of other vaccines with this one. So we can inject somebody and within, I don't know, if the COVID vaccine only took 48 hours to destroy the heart and you mix something else in with that RNA base, what the hell is this going to do inside of the body? Is it going to make them sick? Is the, the spike protein that's now being produced in every organ of their body, is that going to create some mutated super fucking bug that was way worse than, well, COVID doesn't freaking exist, but, you know, their body is melting down, so they're going to get really, really sick. Is it going to be the same symptoms? We don't know. We don't know what we're looking at. Is it going to cause Marburg? We don't know. Is it going to be Ebola? We don't know. Is it going to be monkeypox? We don't know. But it's all going to be adverse effects from the vaccine. It's not going to be something that's going to be spread just like when an AIDS victim gets pneumonia. That is a secondary infection that is not contagious. So everything that happens from this point on is going to be an adverse effect of the flu vaccine in COVID vaccinated individuals. But let me tell you, they're not going to tell the public that that's what's going to happen. They're going to claim it's a new variant. They're going to claim there's a major massive outbreak of another deadly disease, and this is the push to shut us down again. I've already been contacted by a father that has stated that his son's university is demanding and mandating the flu vaccine, and they are not accepting medical or religious exemption. It's starting again. 
it's starting again, but now it's the flu vaccine. Now it's this one. Because people have been conditioned to accept that a flu vaccine is safe. It's okay for us to take a flu vaccine, but they're not telling people it's also under emergency use. They're not telling people they don't know what can happen to you if you've already received the COVID vaccine. They're not telling people. And when I brought it to the attention of my CEO, my CNO, my HR, they looked at me like I was crazy. They told me that I was only my perspective. This is your viewpoint, Kim, because you can find all the other articles that completely contradict it. And I'm like, what do you mean this is my viewpoint? This is, I didn't do these research studies. I didn't write these papers. This is coming from your God of science. This came from the FDA. The FDA is sounding the alarm. Who do you take your orders from? If you're not willing to listen to me, who do you take your orders from? And he was just like, well, it comes from the top down, CDC, FDA. Okay, I'm showing you an FDA form. I'm showing you a study. It is saying anybody that got the COVID vaccine is at an increased risk of stroke after receiving a flu vaccine. Like, what do you need? What do you need? Are you okay with taking the risk of vaccinating your staff and your patients and maybe causing them to have a fucking stroke? Are you okay with that? Like, of course, I'm not talking to him like that, but that's what's going through my head. And he's not listening to me and my frustration level is through the roof and I'm sobbing and they don't care. Yeah, they don't care. They literally told me that everything inside of that office was to remain in that office. And I have to give people the ability to make their own choices. If they want to know this information, they can do their own research. Well, wait a and minute. I that contradicts. Yeah, that uh, that contradicts everything that they told you. Then they're saying yes. they're saying don't tell anybody, and but everybody gets to do what they want to do. <laughs> wait a minute. Well, if everybody yes. doesn't want to take it, then why are you coming down on people who don't want to take it? If people don't want to wear a mask because they've done their own research, like you, then why is it that you're being forced to now apparently you wear a mask? said you can't force people to see things from your perspective and i'm like well why would you think that would be the result if i show them this information do you think that that would be the outcome that they would change their mind and not want the vaccine well yeah because you're forcing your opinion on them well if i'm just literally handing them articles and say here you need to research or you need to read this because this is what's going to provide you with the information to make a full informed consent, if what they choose to do after they read that research is to decline the flu vaccine, that's not my fault. But that's their whole intent and purpose is to prevent them from seeing the information, to prevent them from saying, no, I'm not getting it. Why? Because the hospital gets compensated from the vaccine manufacturing companies for every vaccine that they get. They don't care. Nope. They don't care. So the only way that I can protect as many people as possible is by sounding the alarm to as many people that are willing to hear me and listen to me. And you, Sean, my freaking savior, are helping me do that. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. And uh, let's let's keep the ball rolling here. This will piss you off pretty good. (laughs) <laughs> Over on factcheck.org, so you know it's the truth, here's what they said regarding the October 25th uh, Canada study, which was crystal flipping clear that SV40 right. causes cancer. In fact, in one of those extra articles about the SV40, it 
gave a direct link to a peer-reviewed article that said, uh, it was back in 2004, if memory serves, it said, oh yeah, SV40 causes cancer. Now again, that's, that's monkey kidney cells, which uh -huh. means it's monkey kidney cell DNA in a human uh -huh. DNA. Right. So factcheck.org on October 26th, one day later, said, COVID-19 vaccines have not been shown to alter DNA, cause cancer. Now, here's, wow. what, here, here's the very first paragraph, because they even contradict their own title. It says, Sidecheck Digest, small amounts of DNA from the manufacturing process. So they're already telling you that these were manufactured with DNA. May, re right. may remain in the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. So they just said in their first sentence, yes, there is manufactured DNA in the COVID-19 vaccines. Yep. And their title says it has not been shown to alter DNA. Anybody well, with a... Well, but you've got, you've got title readers. They don't actually read the whole thing. They, they pull up that first sentence and that's what they run with. Correct. And unfortunately, again, anybody with a brain in their skull would know that when you take DNA from anything or anyone else and you put it into another person, it's going to alter that person's DNA and make them ill. No different yep. than, of course, you or me or anybody receiving a different blood type. Yep. Well, why are you receiving a different blood type and why are you getting ill? Well, it's someone else's DNA. It's not mine. It's not any that matches my, my current makeup. But then it says purification and quality control steps ensure any leftover DNA is present within regulatory limits. So they're not saying that there's no DNA in it. They're saying there's DNA in it, but don't worry, it's at a healthy level. We're not, we're not right. supposed to receive other people's DNA. So who decides then? decides like this is this is just a rhetorical question for the people that you know maybe don't ask this question but who is the one that gets to decide how much foreign dna is considered a safe limit like i'm sorry but if i wasn't born with somebody else's or something else's dna it doesn't belong and there is no safe limit so i just want to know at what point somebody somewhere decided that they could say it's okay to inject somebody else with a foreign dna like, I, right. I don't get it. It's just you know, supposed to be your biological, it's just supposed to be your biological parents. That's it. It's not, it. it's not supposed to be a dead monkey kidney. Or chicken cells or aborted fetal tissue. Right. Yeah, which is common. That's common in all the other shots. And also, I'm glad you brought up the emergency use authorization among the flu shots. You're right. People don't know that. And then again, why would that be under EUA? Because it has right. the same shit in it that the COVID vaccines have. Right. So your boss right. just mean? injected himself with another round of the same poison that he's already taken multiple times. It just has a different name on it. Yep. Well, he should count his chickens because he's finished. Yeah. But, you know, and, and the thing is, is that you know, if I'm literally sitting in your office and I'm shaking and I'm crying and I'm trying to point out something that is harming you, that could potentially harm you, would you not take notice of that? I certainly would. Like, the look on his face 
I, I swear to God, Sean, the look on his face was like completely blank. I, I don't know if this man even has a soul. Like there was no concern registering in his eyes, on his face, in his posture, nowhere. The only thing that was registering was his pissed off energy that I had the nerve to bring this up again. And they kept interrupting me before I could even get it out. We're not forcing a COVID. I'm like, if you would shut up and let me finish, it has nothing to do with the COVID vaccine right now. It has to do with the flu vaccine. Well, we're not stopping our flu program because you're afraid, Kim. It has nothing to do with whether I'm afraid. It has to do with you and our patients and our staff. That's what I'm afraid of because we don't know. That big blaring question mark that we don't know, we don't know anything. We don't know. Your, your eyeballs, they melt out of your head. We don't know. Like, think of every horror movie of every bad person's face and limbs and body just melting in front of you. What was the, the, the RoboCop dude? Yeah. Remember those scenes back when COVID came out, people were making fun and they were like, I got my third injection. Yep. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Like, we don't know what can happen. And the fact that people are willingly putting themselves in this situation because they're making it under duress, because they don't want to put a damn mask on their face, it has nothing to do with them wanting to be protected by the fucking flu. They don't want to put a mask on their face. So they're complying. Yep. Again. Yeah, we we know what we know what it's doing. We are well aware, but they of course are married to their job and their job is blinding them from from of course, well, it's not even their job because they're not even doing that. No, they're not. And they are absolutely negligent and that's why I've got to call the board of nursing because again, any nurse with any understanding and knowledge of safety signals would be sounding the alarm right now like absolutely not we should not be giving any covid vaccinated person anything from ever again ever because we don't know what's going to happen to you there is no data there is no research there is no even hint of an understanding of what's going to happen inside of your body if you do anything from this point on like that should be the alarm that's coming out of every person's mouth you need to not be playing sports. You, you need to not be doing any physical activity. You need to be con consistently having your D-dimer and your TTK and your all of those labs. You need to consistently be monitoring your cardiac output and your inflammatory markers, always. Those are things that you should be doing all the time right now, at least once a week. You should be having a physical at least twice a week. I'll tell you something they're too. They're not telling anybody this. No, they're not. They're, they're certainly Nobody's not. Nobody's telling anybody this. No, and unfortunately, again, you know, even the jabbed, and I know plenty, and am related to plenty. They aren't. They aren't making the connections either. I mean, I have an I, I have an I have an uncle who that. I have an uncle who had sepsis. He almost died. No, mm -hmm. Absolutely no connection to uh, to the jabs whatsoever. They 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 aren't making the connections whatsoever. They're just like, yep, everybody gets sepsis when you get older. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that isn't how it works. And then unfortunately, you have individuals who are jabbed, again, in my family and probably everybody else's, where 
they are, you know, they're getting sick on a yearly basis, but they're, but they're not making the connections. And then they look at me and they're like, well, you haven't been sick in 15 years. What's your problem? It's like, well, I'm not injected with anything. Right. And then on top of that, when someone around them ends up having a stroke, they don't, they don't say, well, why did they have the stroke? They're just saying, well, people have strokes. It's like, wait a minute. What's, right. what's the thing that you all have in common? They're not connecting those. No. And there's this too, yeah. and, and this is going to be a good segue, I think, into the, into the sheriff's department stuff. Mm-hmm. I read a while back on my show, uh, Dr. Mackis on his Substack, COVID, it's called COVID Intel, I think, but he, he went through a series of research articles where they clearly lay out in these peer-reviewed research articles that these organizations are actively working to psychologically manipulate individuals into taking the shots, but not just that, but doing whatever they can, of course, to uh, psycho- yeah, psychologically manipulate them into resisting any uptake hesitancy. So basically, whatever they can do to counter the individuals like yourself, like me, like all of us, who are saying, don't ever do this ever again, don't ever take these ever again, they're actively discussing, not just again within these medical journals, journals and among these doctors and researchers, but of course within government documents. What is it? Which I've also read on the show, but what also are all of these agencies doing in an effort to basically squash us and 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 discredit us? And there is quite the weaponization system that is that is existing. But there's this yeah. particular letter that I sent you the other day from the Welsh government, and, th- and this is to the chief executives and all the national health, NHS, whatever that stands for, um, uh, Wales organizations. And it says the following, again, this is from October 19th. It says, dear colleagues, we are more than a month into the winter respiratory vaccination program, which of course has never been a thing. There's never been an RSV vaccine to my knowledge. Right. Has there been? Um, they just recently started the RSV vaccine, um, want to say within the last three years, but prior to that, no, because it's RNA based. There you go. So they're taking another RNA related shot then. Yep. And, (laughs) and they're doing it to children because babies are the ones that get RNA or get RSV. Not knowing that it's the shot that gives people RSV. Yep. Okay. Well, when, you know, at birth, when we're given the hep B and the, um, the vitamin K, you know, the Hep B vaccine, that's, that's the thing that gives them RSV. The vitamin K causes jaundice. Um, you know, so that's why all babies have jaundice. And asthma. Mm-hmm. There you go. And a whole bunch of allergies. Well, this this continues and it says, we've, we, we've been working closely monitoring the uptake across all eligible cohorts, including healthcare workers. It says, I'm sorry to say that so far, the data for healthcare workers is very disappointing. You will be well aware that the vaccination against flu and COVID is one of the best defenses we have to protect our staff and students. I'm sorry, staff and support, rather. Uh, The resilience of NHS organizations this winter. Anecdotally, we are hearing of reluctance in taking up the offer of the COVID-19 vaccine, and I am therefore writing to ask each of you to immediately review how the offer of vaccination is being promoted and encouraged across our organization. 
So they're actively, again, trying to look for ways for people to take it with different coercion tactics, basically. Right. And I think I was thinking about, like, the monetary compensation that they would be getting because, you know, during COVID, it was released that, you know, physicians receive so many uh, dollars for 100 children that are fully vaccinated based on the vaccine schedule. So it makes me wonder what the exact compensation plan is for facilities that force their staff to get these vaccines. I mean, people would think that that practice alone, even individuals in hospitals, you would think that that alone would be enough to be unethical. Yeah, it is. I mean, back when they started the flu vaccine from for healthcare workers, when they started mandating it, I was agency working over in Springfield. And um, they were saying, you know, that you couldn't you couldn't stay as an employee, even as agency, if you did not get the flu vaccine. So as agency nurses, we were smart enough to just sign each other's card. I mean, we're not fucking dumb. Um, But uh, that's what we were doing. But um, when they started that, once I left agency, I completely walked away from facility nursing. And I did that. I stayed out for two years. That time I was doing independent nursing. And, um, you know, so during COVID. I walked away again. I've walked away from my career twice over bullshit policies that are trying to force me to put something in my body that I, that I reject. Like, no, you're not forcing me to do anything and I don't have to do anything, even in the name of science or even in the name of keeping other people safe. The science is flawed. It's a bunch of lies. It doesn't exist. And therefore you're not forcing me to inject myself with unknown chemicals that can cause unknown harm. Suck it. Kick stones. Go. Bye. Yep. This, you know, but people, people don't have that mentality, or at least, you know, the people, a lot of people that are in the medical system, because the medical system has trained them. Yep. Vaccines are good, and if you repeat a lie often enough, it eventually becomes true to them. And this next sentence proves it right here, too. It says, it is crucial that as a system, we understand the barriers to uptake and work hard to break them down. Barriers to uptake. Not only is that people who know better, but that's just the facts. They want to break down the facts and work hard to break them down. They're openly telling people this. It says, please, could you ask what more we could be doing to ensure vaccination is easily accessible and that our staff feel encouraged and supported to come forward? It says, time is not on our side. As I mentioned, we are already more than a month into the program. I would ask you to act quickly on this, and we'll look forward to hearing about the interventions you have made at the next NHS Wales Leadership Board. Moreover, I look forward to seeing a significant boost to uptake numbers in the coming weeks. Thanks in advance for your support. Yours sincerely, a Judith Paget or Paget or whatever the hell. CBE, and then there you go. This is, uh, again, they are openly emailing one another and openly telling one another that, that individuals who work within these hospitals, in particular nurses and any other staff, do not want to take these shots. But they're openly yeah. admitting that they have to find ways to get them injected. Hence the mask policy. Right. Yep. So it's interesting. So, you know, you and I have talked before, like, and I mentioned it briefly that, you know, I spent 20 years in an abusive relationship, abusive marriage, and it was narcissistic abuse. So I was manipulated and gaslit on a daily basis. And 
when you're in that kind of a relationship, you develop a superpower and you are able to identify immediately when somebody attempts to manipulate or gaslight you again. And when I was sitting in the office yesterday trying to inform them of what I'm seeing and they're standing there gaslighting me, trying to tell me that I am basically overreacting and that there's other articles out there that disprove everything I'm saying and this is my viewpoint and we've got people in our in our corporate headquarters that are looking at this research and if they found an issue with this they would let us know like you're you're trying to discredit the information that I didn't write and tell me that my concern is invalid because you know better than me you're gaslighting me you're manipulating me into thinking that this is okay and it's not okay this is a valid concern and people are absolutely in danger because of the question mark because we don't know that's a danger so when i left there they sent me home because their their threat was we need a supervisor on the floor we need a leader on the floor and if you can't do that then obviously you're not in the headspace to do it today so you need to go on home today and we will discuss this again tomorrow so uh, at some point today i'm supposed to have a conversation with them again today so i haven't yet decided exactly what i'm going to say to them but what i did was i went out to my car i calmed down enough decided that I was going straight to the Hamilton County Sheriff's Department because if I can't get my, my, my CEO of my company to listen to me and my concerns, then I need to take this to the Sheriff's Department and maybe I can get the sheriff or a detective to listen to me. And the detective came out and of course I'm in my work uniform. So I'm like standing there in uniform and I'm sharing what I have found and I'm, I'm relaying this information. And there was another gentleman standing there and he was listening to every single word I said. Was but he an he employee? The other guy? No, no. He, well, yeah, actually he was, he was there bringing a new employee and he was waiting on the new employee to finish his new hire paperwork behind the, behind the closed door. <laughs> so he was standing in the corner listening. Wow. So anyway, um, the detective that I was talking to, um, I went through my whole, you know, Florida Attorney General, this is the article that came out this week. This is the article that came out last week. And this is what the FDA just dropped last night. This is a medical emergency. I am sounding the alarm. I am the person on the ground, on the front lines, and I am a supervisor of my unit and I'm not being listened to. I'm, in fact, I'm being silenced. And it is my job, my legal obligation to make sure that everybody knows that there is a significant risk of stroke if they receive this vaccine after they have been receiving the COVID injection. Like this is a serious, serious matter. And I need you to do what you can to make sure that this gets somewhere. And he was just like, well, I can tell you that until it crosses over into criminal, there's not really much we can do. And I said, well, at what point does it become criminal? When one person dies, 10 people, 500? Like, at what point do you guys sit up and start paying attention? Because I'm coming to you as a medical professional telling you with my eyes what I'm going to start seeing happening soon. And I'm trying to prevent this from happening by sounding the alarm now. This is what we're looking at. 
They are not being given informed consent because they do not have all the information and I'm being silenced. And he was like, have you thought about going to social media? I said, sure, I've gone on social media several times. My, my TikToks get taken down. Hang on I'm just a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I got to stop you. The, sheriff, uh-huh. the sheriff's detective, mm-hmm. the, the law enforcement agency in our country, looked at you and yep. said, have you thought about going to social media? He actually fucking said that? Yep. He surely did. Unbelievable. That's not law enforcement. Social nope. media is not law enforcement. Social media isn't a judge and a jury. Nope. Unbelievable. Uh, that, that's so, such a, that right there is so flipping huge. I mean, if 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 you've got a sheriff's employee saying that, that means that they are ballless, and they aren't even doing their job. No, because they have an obligation to protect the public as well. And I'm going to them with a severe safety concern. Like, if nothing else, they could have gone over to my place of employment, and they could have hit, said, "Hey." She has a significant concern here. You guys need to think about your policy and rewrite the policy or allow her to provide the information to the staff so they can make informed consent. Like, this is your job and you are being negligent in your duties as a medical professional. As a CEO of your company, you are negligent and you are putting people in risk of harm and serious damage. It is your duty, your obligation to make sure that they are aware so that they can take that risk-benefit analysis on their own and make a decision. But nope, he made copies of my articles and said he would pass it along up the line and then sent me over to the health department. So I left the sheriff's office and I went over to the Hamilton County Health Department. And I um, well, now you're walking in. The, now you're walking huh? into well. Now you're walking into Satan's lair. Absolutely, because we all we both know we all know who works at health departments. Yeah. Yeah. So the yep. lady comes up and she greets me and she, and I said I need to speak with the director and she's. She said, what is this about? And I said, I'm a medical professional and I'm alerting, I'm, I'm attempting to alert a medical emergency. And she goes back and she has her back to me and she's talking to somebody else. And she turns around, she was like, I'm going to need more information. And so she comes up and I said, okay, well, uh, the COVID vaccine was declared a biological weapon last, last year. This article came out two weeks ago. This article was just dropped last night. We have a serious safety concern related to the public community at this time that people need to be aware of. Okay, I've got enough information. She turns around and walks away and turns around. She's like, somebody will be out in a minute. Like, rude as shit. So then a gentleman comes out. So she's jammed. And I share the, I share the information with him. And he was just like, and, and how would you like me to get involved? <laughs> and I said, well, you guys are the health department. You guys are responsible for public safety, so y'all need to make a public announcement. Oh, well, we don't do that here. We don't We don't have a vaccination program here. You're going to have to go up the line. Well, what up the line? You need to go to the state health department. Also, where's that at? Well, that's in Columbus. Oh, I've got to drive to Columbus to give them the same information I'm giving you to alert the public to the potential medical emergency that we might be facing? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And that was it. That was it. 
And that was when I asked you to go ahead and send the email to the commissioner requesting time. Because at this point, if the CEO of my company isn't willing to listen, if the sheriff's department isn't willing to listen, if the health department isn't willing to listen, who the hell do we go to next? Who do we get that's willing to stand up and listen and to shove this whole damn agenda to the side and say, you know what? I'm a human being. I am a human being and I am in a position of authority to where I can help make a difference in this world. And I'm going to do this because of my fellow human being. And it's the right thing to do. This is what's right. It has nothing to do with dollars in my pocket. It has nothing to do with what I might benefit out of this. This has to do with what is the good of humanity. And I'm going to stand up and I'm going to do what's right for humanity. Because we don't know what this is going to do. And I have an obligation. So I'm going to do what's right. Here, let me take your information. I will call a press conference right now. Well, yeah, again, we know what it's doing. They don't know what it's doing. And because they participated and they did it to themselves and their family members, they are so far down the blind rabbit hole that there's no, I don't think there's any crawling out. That even if there were some kind of a statement made, which again, I don't see this happening either at the state level. I mean, it's not going to happen. They're not going to they're not going to call for the recall of any of this. They're all getting kickbacks. They're all involved. Right. And if they did, again, you would have you would if if an email went out and they said you can no longer distribute this, it has been found to be unhealthy and unsafe given the plethora of illness and death and XYZ. I mean, there are people, Kim, as you know, who work in these environments and they have no idea that people are dead from this. Right. Well, no one's died. Yeah, no one's died. Where do you find that information? <laughs> There's yeah. nobody that's been, that's been killed from this. Yeah. They're literally not willing to look at the stuff that I'm putting in front of their face because, again, like I said in the beginning, their brain is not capable of comprehending what they've just done to themselves because their fear has completely taken over. They are no longer capable of being rational. They are no longer capable of being logical. They are no longer capable of rubbing two brain cells together, probably because the vaccines has destroyed their brain. It did something to their brain. Do you remember reading stories or um, statements from people on Facebook back when the first injections came out? talking like, um, saying statements like, I no longer feel my connection to God. I can no longer feel God. I, I don't doubt that. Yeah. I don't doubt it. It just makes me wonder if, you know, because we know it crosses the blood-brain barrier. We know they've found spike proteins in the brain tissue. So what else is it doing to consciousness? Because the pineal gland is the seat of consciousness. So what is it doing to the pineal gland? Oh, it's got to be completely shrinking it more than it probably already was. Well, I mean, the fluoride calcified it. So what if it completely destroyed it altogether? Right. It destroyed the soul of humanity. Yeah. Again, the looks on people's faces for me is always kind of the the giveaway. The big eyes, you know, the, the lack of empathy in the face, the blank stare. This is the problem. Yeah. yeah. And there yeah. is... No, there, I can... Go ahead. 
I was going to say my, my CNO, I can say that when I brought this information, like I, I went to her first because she still has, like, she has one part of her that is 100% full nurse. She will jump on the floor and she will be right there in the thick of all of it if we need her. Right. But then there's the other side of her, the corporate side of her that is monetary based that becomes calculated, that becomes cold and lacks the, the ability to understand or to, to, to do what's right. To do what's right, she lacks that capability. But I can say that when I was presenting the information to her initially, before she got the CEO and HR involved, the look on her face, again, she was trying to interrupt me about the COVID stuff too. And I said, I need you to just stop and listen to me. And I need you to take your personal feelings out of this. And I need you to just hear what I'm saying to you on an objective level. Just, just hear what I'm saying. Do you agree that we did not know anything about the ingredients of the COVID vaccine when they rolled out? She refused to answer yes or no. Do you agree that because we didn't know what was in it, that we did not know what the side effects or adverse events would be? She refused to answer yes or no. I said, okay, since you're refusing to acknowledge this information, let me present it to you this way. And I started with the Florida Attorney General, and I start, and then I gave her the other articles, and I said, this came from the FDA last night. Anybody that, refused a, that, that receives a flu vaccine after COVID vaccination is at an increased risk of stroke. This is not okay. And that was when I broke down, and that was when I started crying, and that was when I said, I am terrified about what we are about to see. If we don't stop this now, all of our staff is going to die, and so are our patients. And I just, I, I couldn't control it, and I was shaking, trembling. My whole body was trembling. And she was just like, I'm, I, we, we need to get HR involved in this. She was concerned. She was scared. She was scared. Because when I brought the attention to them that it was a biological weapon. She came into my office the next day after that meeting and she shut my door and she told me that um, she needed me to tread lightly because she didn't want to lose me. And then she brought up my family. You just got your kids. You've got a new house. I don't want to take a chance of you losing that. And that pissed me off. Don't bring my children into this. Don't threaten me. Don't make me walk on eggshells at the threat of losing my job because I will walk the fuck up out of this place in a heartbeat. I am not beholden to you. I have walked away from multiple careers before, regardless of how much money I'm making, because I refuse to break or violate my ethical moral code. Do not threaten me again. And I sent that to HR. But when she said that to me, I opened up my phone and I pulled open the news report because that's where they get their information. It has to be on the news in order for it to be valid. And I showed her the report from the Florida attorney general calling it a, a biological weapon because she had never heard it before. And so therefore they all thought it was my opinion. So when she heard the news report and she heard the attorney general specifically stating it's a biological weapon, her face lost all color, her jaw dropped open and she started asking me intelligent questions. What can we do? What do I need to look for? My whole family got this. And I said, Jen, you need to understand, I don't say things simply because I want to hear myself speak. And when I bring something to your attention, I've got all of the research to back up what I'm saying. I don't just say things just to say them. 
I say them because they're important and people need to hear what I'm having to say. So yesterday, when this all happened yesterday, she had no color in her face. She was deeply concerned, but when she saw the way that Dean and Lauren were acting, she had to put on her corporate face and she had to pretend like what I had to say was not valid. And she texted me this morning to see how I was doing. And I told her I'm better. That was all I replied. So I have no idea what the conversation is going to look like today. I know that when I go back to work on Thursday, it's after November 1st. So you can bet I will not have a mask on my face. And you can bet that I'm going to be pulled into the office. And you can bet they're going to attempt to try to force me to do something against my will. And you can bet they're probably either going to attempt to write me up or they're going to terminate me for violating their policy. And then, then it's game on. Yeah. Yeah. So I still write Ernie if you know somebody. Yeah. Um all I can all I can do is send you the list of the of the Ohio law firms that are apparently defending the Vax injured. If they're well, if, if they're if they're doing that, at the very least, they'll have resources, uh, I would assume, on Maybe getting a hold of you know other individuals that can handle your situation more specifically. I I would hope. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I did while I was about to walk into the sheriff's department before I left my work parking lot, I texted my attorney and told him that if he was available, I had a question that was unrelated to our previous business, and I needed to I need to speak to him to so please call me. Um, he called me right as I was about to walk into the sheriff's office, and I told him everything that was going on. He said go in, talk to the sheriff, find out what, what they say. He was just like, I can call you on Thursday. I'm in trial for the next two days. He said he'd call me on Tuesday or Thursday to, you know, let us know, let me know what my options were, but he's not a civil rights attorney. Um, he was referred to me by Eric Dieter. So the information that you and I've discussed today, I'm going to put into an email and I'm going to pass it to Eric Dieters. Eric Dieters does know some civil rights attorneys. So hopefully he had told me back when this all started back in, you know, August, beginning of September with work that, you know, he would provide me with the name of an attorney and he hasn't done so yet. So I just need to reach back out again. But, you know, this is, this is a situation that, um, you know, I'm fighting on multiple fronts. You know, I've got, um, I do have the financial concern, you know, like I, I do have a house, I do have a car payment, I do have children that I'm taking care of, you know, and I've also got a boyfriend and, you know, my boyfriend deserves to have a girl that, you know, financially responsible and putting myself in a position that could potentially lose my job and my income. That's not being financially responsible. However, he also understands that I am doing what I have to do because it's who I am. And he also knows that that's what I have to do because it's what's right. So, you know, it, it puts me in a situation where you know, this could potentially blacklist me from being able to obtain a future position. I don't know. I may end up having to go back as an agency nurse. No idea. May have to take a couple of months off and get through the winter months so I don't have to deal with this shit. But I'm also at a point now in my life where I'm willing to stand up and I'm willing to fight and I'm willing to do what's right. And um, I just need some people to help me raise the alarms because that's where we're at. So after uh, after I got up this morning, I went ahead and I made a post on Twitter and I tagged um, several of the people like Bioclandestine who broke the uh, information about the Ukraine biolabs, um, Punisher Dem, 
uh, Patriot, U.S. Patriot, um, tagged a couple of the doctors that I know have been standing up for this, McCullough, um, Ryan Cole, um, Lindy, Pat Lindy. Um, and it's um, apparently gotten the attention because my, my Twitter account's been blowing the hell up me in contact with an ICU nurse and he's wanting to do a space on Twitter. So I'm hoping that that, that kind of helps to raise the alarm as well. So if this is the direction that I've got to take in order to make this damage be as little as possible, then, you know, so be it. Yeah, this is, this is an interesting, um, this is an interesting wave and certainly an interesting body of water here because You've got a lot of individuals again, purposefully dividing one another over yeah. over over money and over attention. Again, you know, me personally, I'm not a fan of Ryan Cole or or, or McCullough. Th- these guys are are on a particular team, and they're not yeah. on a team that's necessarily telling the truth about everything. They're even like Malone. Malone is is in with these guys too, and if you don't play their game and and you don't play by their rules. Uh, which unfortunately involve using people such as yourself for monetary gain. I mean, everybody who listens to this show knows that I don't make money on this show. So I'm right. not having you on for monetary gain. You're a friend of mine. Right. You know, but to them, you're, you're just a nurse who's being abused, and that's a good story, and that'll get clicks. You know, mm-hmm. I, I hate that shit, and I hate the people that do that. So, mm-hmm. all, I, again, w- what I'll do is, is I'll text you. Uh, this this PDF document, and again, it's a PDF document from Steve Kirsch, and I don't like him either. But yeah, because he's yeah, one of the, he charges five hundred dollars to ask him a question. Right. <laughs> See, yeah, he's a piece of shit. So I'll uh, I'll I'll text you at least the the law firms that uh, that I linked in one of my previous episodes, and and you well, can... you sent them to me at the beginning of September, and I actually reached out to a couple that were on that list. Oh, okay, there they you were go. Specific. They were specific to only the vaccine injured, and they were specific to um, uh, what was the other thing? Not not related to mask. It was the flu vaccine uh, providing religious exemptions. Well, I do that too, so I don't need them for a religious exemption. Um, but that was what they um, were willing to provide me. All right. And I didn't well, contact all of them, but after the the first couple, where I wasn't really getting anywhere, I just kind of stopped pursuing. Yeah, and see there that, that right there. Those of us that have dealt with law firms and lawyers in the past, that unfortunately is uh, is exactly what they're counting on. Mm-hmm. They're counting on people quitting, and but but at the exact same time, they have no problem not providing you the answer or the resources that they actually know right. where, where you can get something done. Right. So you may have to wait for your guy on Thursday. Right. I might. I mean, I don't know exactly. I know that he deals with family law, but I don't know what other type of law he deals in. So, or if he's just, you know, able to refer me somewhere. But I mean, I, I'm feeling like they need to be delivered a cease and desist. That's where I feel like it needs to go. And if it has to start at one hospital and spread all around, then so be it. But, you know, if, if I'm raising a medical emergency flag and I'm, I'm trying, they're, they're trying to silence me because I'm trying to protect people. Like, absolutely. I'm going to the board of nursing on that. Absolutely. I'm going to be contacting my state rep again. 
And I'm going to be informing him of all of this stuff because I've already talked to my state rep multiple times related to the mask. Um, he emailed me back the information related to, you know, Title VII's equal opportunity employment and violation of my, you know, fundamental rights as a human being. And, you know, basically he didn't provide me with anything that I already didn't know. But the fact that it's coming from my state rep, you know, no, you can't do this to me. No, you're legally out of bounds. And no, you can't force me to do something that violates my beliefs. So, I mean, we we can pursue the line. I just got to find an attorney that's willing to do it, not rape me in the process. Yep. (laughs) Again, that's, that's slim pickings these days. I know it. Which is awful. I know. And I wish, I really wish that I knew how to write my own brief and I would take it down to the courthouse and file it myself and hand deliver it myself. Yeah. Again, I, I'll tell you, we, if anybody needs any more proof that we are in a civil war in our country, uh, I, I hope that they listen to this and they fully understand that we are. There's no way around it. We are fighting yeah. government in every effing agency that exists here. Yep. And it is it is us against them. That is mm-hmm. that is the civil war that's taking place. We're not in the woods with muskets killing our neighbors, but we are again, you know, in these workplaces with I mean we're just fighting the brainwashed. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I am so very thankful. I mean, this sounds so freaking weird, but damn, I'm thankful for that abusive relationship because it woke me up and it gave me a superpower. And I'm grateful because now I can see that everything that the government does, everything the government says, everything that every one of their um, tentacles touches and reports on is nothing more than manipulation and gaslighting like literally humanity is under the thumb of a narcissistic ruler and we are all being abused and we're literally the abused spouse and we can't see the abuse and we keep going back because they love us so much it's disgusting it's beyond disgusting we have to start telling and i know that you've done this too again certainly where you work but if you get if you get hauled back in, you've got to look these people in the face and say you're not going to make it. You're not going to yeah. make it. You're killing yourselves, your family members, your staff members, and and all of the patients that come here. Well, you know, the Deagle report that came out what was it last month? I think it was where they estimate that just just the population of the United States alone, because this is a report that lists the expected. Um, population by 2025 right, yep. of every country. Did you see this Deagle report? I have seen it. Yeah, I've I've, so, I've brought it up on the show over the course of years. I think now, but yeah. Well, what's interesting is that when you when you look at specifically the United States and you look at our current population, and then you look at the estimated number of population in 2025, and it says that we're going to have a 68% drop in population in the next two years. And then you look at the number total population that has been vaccinated, and it's almost the exact same number of deaths. How is that not enough to get you to sit up and pay attention? Yeah. 
that's terrifying. That's a basic correlation right there. Absolutely. You know, and then, you know, when, when the New Zealand prime minister came out right after the election and she released the information about the 30 people that walked into the clinic and got vaccinated with the COVID injection and all 30 of them died. Yeah. That is absolute causation. hundred percent. Yeah. And I even brought that up in the meeting yesterday and they refused to hear that. He literally, he, he raised his voice at me for bringing that one up. When they don't want you to tell the truth in an environment where it's supposed to exist, well. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, anything else that you want to leave the audience with that, of course, some um, of you've basically said it clearly, but. Uh, spread the word. Tell everybody that you can. Don't remain silent no matter who's telling you that you have to shut up. Sit down and shut up. Now stand up and get loud. Because if we comply this time, our country's done. This is this is the line right here. This is this is the final battle that we've been waiting for. And this is the thing that we've all been saying. The next time they try to do it again, we need to not comply no matter what. This is it right here. And it's on the flu vaccine. The thing that people have been conditioned to believe is okay. They're not going to fight this. But we have to. So we need to spread the word and we need to get loud. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.